We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Big thanks again to our man, Teron Davenport of ESPN, joining us last segment to talk some Titans who are sticking in the division, the AFC South. And my next guest joining me on the West Her Hotline is Zach Hicks. He's the lead analyst over at SI uh, Colts. He's a contributor over with my boys at Cover One, and he joins me again here on the West Her Hotline. Zach, uh, good afternoon to you, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. No, my pleasure. Uh, I'm glad we're uh, we're finally getting to do this, and I think it's a great time because it's that part of the off season where um, kind of looking uh, in in this conference, which is just a loaded loaded conference full of teams that I think um, all have maybe a claim. I mean, there are six maybe seven teams that could all claim to say, like, hey, we're a contender. And I think the Colts are right there in that conversation, and and obviously a a team that that I thought was a, a player or two away from potentially stealing that game in Buffalo in the wild card game last year. Zach, I wanted to kind of start with you, uh, you know, and one of the reasons I had you on is, is some of the film work you were doing this week on Carson Wentz, talking about areas of where you think you can find some improvement in his game and things he or he, he could be potentially working on. I, I want to start with Wentz because I think he's sort of the end-all be-all for this team. Now, this is a team that got to the wild card round last year, a team that I thought was very competitive with a quarterback that, let's just face it, did not have the juice left in that arm. With a, with a quarterback with plenty of juice in the arm, are, are you expecting this offense in the team in general to take a step this year, knowing that the division also got a little bit more competitive with you know Trevor Lawrence and, and Jacksonville and obviously just talking with Teron and getting Julio Jones in Tennessee – is this a team, and particularly an offense, that's sort of ready to take the next step with a quarterback that I think a lot of people are probably doubting? Yeah, you know, I, I think they can take that next step. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that it's you know set in stone by any means because, like you said, Phillip Rivers definitely didn't have that juice. He couldn't really stretch the ball down the field. He did limit parts of their offense. Uh, but, you know, it's not like Phillip Rivers played horribly last year or poor at all. You know, he was, I believe he finished last year 12th in DVOA, uh, he was sixth in, in EPA per play. Uh, he had a really strong year for the Colts, and and part of that is the Colts system and and the players the Colts put around him. Uh, but you know his his accuracy in the short game, his his just ability to to diagnose what's going on pre snap. I thought Philip Rivers was excellent last year for a guy with no juice. And and saying you know outright that the the, the guy who was 34th ranked in DVOA last year and and has had steady regression for four years is going to be better than that. You know, that's something that I've, I've been struggling with and something that I've kind of focused on with my studies this, this whole offseason is what are some good things or some bad things with Carson Wentz. And I think that the biggest thing I've come to is, you know, obviously the scheme and the players around him are going to be much better than what he had last year. And that could go a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he really needs to take positive strides with his, with his mechanics, with his short accuracy, with his ability to get the ball out you know, in rhythm and, and underneath, you know, he, his, his deep ball is still pretty good. It's been pretty good the last couple of years, even with this regression. Uh, and I think that we're going to see the Colts offense be more explosive this year. Uh, but what we really need to see him is take those strides underneath where, you know, an area where Phillip Rivers was outstanding uh, and, and why the Colts were in that game with the Bills last year in the playoffs. 
those are some areas that Carson Wentz needs to get better. So, you know, I, I want to say that they're going to be much better on offense or more explosive on offense, but we really got to see it with Carson Wentz because, like I said, it's been, you know, four years now with, with steady regression, and last year it definitely hit its peak where, uh, you know, the team was awful around him, but he was not good by any means. Yeah, and, and I, I'm a big fan of Benjamin Solak, and I mean, he's done over the last couple of years a lot of work on Carson Wentz, a lot of film work, a lot of breaking down, and one of the things that, you know, he sort of has mentioned um, is his inability to, with regularity and in smart in smart situations, dump the ball down, use the running back in the passing game, throw the ball with anticipation, and throw the ball to lead receivers and on short crossing routes. Those are areas of the field he's really struggled with. And those are the sort of throws, Zach, that are those layups, those opportunities to get mm-hmm. 10 or 15 yards, get some yards after catch. Those are easy drive starters that over the last couple of years, Carson Wentz has really struggled with. And when you're talking about a backfield, by the way, that is maybe one of the best and maybe most diverse pass-catching backfields in all the league, this is a guy that's got to turn that part of his game around, right? I mean, they, they've got to be able to use, utilize the running backs they have in the backfield because they've got plenty of them, and all of them bring a different dynamic in the pass game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, sp- speaking of those uh, underneath route stuff, yeah, Ben does a great job. I, I follow his stuff, obviously, and I've known him for years. I've talked to him a lot about Carson Wentz recently. And uh, I always think the funniest thing that he put out there, which what I think was confirmed by Sports Info Solutions, was – that Carson Wentz only threw eight drag like only threw eight passes to drag routes yeah. last year, and I already I've, I'm going through and charting all the pass catches by each Colts receiver last year, and the number one caught pass, the number one targeted pass for both Michael Pittman Jr. and Zach Pascal last season was the drag route. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. last year had, I believe it was uh, like nine catches on drag routes last year, and Carson Wentz only threw eight. <laughs> last year for the, the whole year for yeah. the Eagles. Uh, so it, it's crazy. You know, those, those underneath passes are a huge part of the Colts offense. You know, uh, Frank Reich has a lot of, you know, he, he obviously learned under Tom Moore, uh, like when he was really becoming a coach, and then uh, Ken Wisenhunt when he was in uh, with the Chargers, and then also some Doug Peterson, Andy Reid type stuff with the Eagles. And a lot of what, you know, he learned over the years was that run after catchability. That's why they brought in guys like Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Naheem Hines, Paris Campbell, you know, they love that run after catch. And if, if um, you know, if Carson Wentz can't get the ball to his guys underneath and allow them to run after catch, that's going to be a real issue because that's a big part of Frank Reich's offense. So that's, that's really the biggest thing that we really just have to focus on early in the year is, you know, if the Colts are going to be a contender, uh, Carson Wentz needs to be better in that area than what he's been the last couple seasons. Zach, I, you know, I, I'm glad you kind of brought up Michael Pittman Jr., Paris Campbell. If you are looking at this offense, considering who's going to be at the helm. Maybe maybe this answer changes if Philip Rivers is the quarterback again this year. Who is wide receiver mm-hmm. one? Like uh, for me, it looked especially in that game against the Bills, it looked like Michael Pittman Jr. was sort of planting the flag in the dirt and saying like next year the future is kind of now I'm going to be the alpha in this wide receiver room. I'm going to be the wide receiver one moving forward. And if I don't know if you believe that or if you agree with that statement and if you do, I would love to hear your, your thoughts on it. But I'd also I'd like to hear your thoughts on whether or not that might be a different – you might have a different answer based on if Phillip Rivers or Carson Wentz is the quarterback. Yeah, it's tough, man, because I think we, we kind of know what the roles and what the, where guys are going to be position-wise. You know, we know Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be that X receiver. T.Y. Hilton is going to be the Z. Uh, Paris Campbell, if he's healthy, is going to be the slot. If he's not healthy, it's going to be Zach Paschal. Uh, that's kind of where these guys are going to be, but from from there, we you know it's it's kind of tough to say 
who's going to get the most targets, who's going to be the guy, because the Colts, you know, they, they love to spread the ball around. I mean, they're, they're leading pass catcher last year with Naeem Hines uh, in terms of receptions. Um, then after that, you know, T.Y. Hilton was really close behind. Michael Pittman Jr. was close, Zach Pascal. So they, they like to spread the ball around. So it's tough to say a true number one receiver. Uh, you know, in a perfect world, it's Michael Pittman Jr., but I feel like he's going to be a lot of those underneath routes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, uh, again, that, that kind of goes back, what will Carson target those underneath routes? And, and I think the biggest, I don't want to say, like, area they're missing or the biggest question for me when I look at this offense is who's going to be that vertical threat. Mm. Uh, that, that, that's a thing that Carson Wentz has always had. You know, he's had Deshaun Jackson. He's had Nelson Aguilar, uh, Torrey Smith a little bit back in 2017. You know, guys who can get down the field. Uh, is that C.Y. Hilton, even though he's kind of lost a little bit over the years? Is that uh, Paris Campbell, who had like the lowest A dot in the history of you know <laughs> draft prospects a couple years ago? Uh, is he going to become a vertical threat? Are they going to send Michael Pittman Jr. down the field, even though his whole rookie season was underneath? Uh, I, I think that's going to be a big thing to watch early in the season. But uh, you know, I think if we're looking at wide receiver one, I think uh, you know they, like they have to convert. Uh, you know, get a conversion or something like that. Who's the guy they're going to? I, I think either Pittman Jr. or or uh, T.Y. Hilton would be that guy this year. But yeah, with Philip Rivers, I, I would say almost certainly that it would be uh, Pittman Jr. or or Paris Campbell because it's underneath passes and the run after catch. Uh, but with with Carson Wentz, I think whoever emerges as someone who can win down the field or win in that, that deeper intermediate route area, I think that's going to be a guy who really starts winning favor and or maybe even tight ends. You know. Carson Wentz loves those tight ends. I is kind of my next question for you. Like I, you know, and I wonder if you know at least what we're familiar with Carson Wentz is right is having those two tight ends, having a lot of twelve and thirteen personnel on the field. I don't get the feeling that that is like maybe what Frank Reich is going to try to recreate. So if he's not going to try to recreate a lot of multiple tight end sets in the field, um, I mean, and maybe did did they bring back Moelle Cox? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they okay, Alec Cox. They got Doyle, and they drafted Kylan Grantson out of SMU. Okay, so let's say, just for the sake of argument, that they just don't really have the guns to really throw at a lot of multiple tight end sets. Do you expect mm-hmm. then uh, for a guy that struggles, or maybe it's not, le- maybe it's less, it's less struggling and less. I don't want to say ability. What's the word I'm looking for here? Maybe it's just a willingness to use the running back in the pass game in Philadelphia. Do you think mm-hmm. now that he's got the weapons in that backfield and knowing that the head coach and Frank Reich likes to use those running backs, and you, you mentioned Naeem Hines being the team's leading receiver last year, do you expect like Hines to still have that big role in the passing game with, you know, um, it's the, the room itself, getting Marlon Mack back, like, it's crowded in there, man. Like, is Naeem Hines still going to be on route to be this team, like, really in the picture as one of this team's primary pass catchers? Man, I hope. <laughs> I hope I hope Naeem Hines is a big part of this offense going forward. I think it was kind of it, it's kind of a bummer because over, overshadowed by Jonathan Taylor's explosion late last season was the emergence of Naeem Hines not only as a pass catcher but also as a running back, yeah. as a pure runner and a running back. Uh, people talk about, I believe, Jonathan Taylor, uh, and these are have to be fat checked, but I believe uh, Jonathan Taylor had over five yards of carry throughout the last six weeks of last season, including the playoffs, which is outstanding. Uh, but I believe Nine Hines was over like eight yards of carry in those yeah. last. Uh, those as last as his as a fantasy owner of Naeem Hines, who was starting him in RB one positions almost exclusively towards the end of the season and into the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh yeah, I mean what he was doing was was unbelievable, and on what at most. 10 to 12 touches a game, like not a lot of touches. Yeah. He was very efficient. Yeah. 
Very efficient. And, and that's, the, that's the best thing with him. You know, his first two years in the NFL, it was like 3.8, 3.9 yards of carry. And then the last year, he exploded up to 4.8. Uh, he had, I believe it was uh, 18% of his carries went for over 10 yards last year. Uh, just just a really good running back. And he really has a, improved not only as a pass catcher, but as a pure runner. And and I think even with the with the signing of Marlon Mack, I do think Naeem Hines should be the running back too this year and get those, those secondary running back carries. But we'll have to see how it all plays out, obviously. Uh, I know that the Colts are really, really high on Marlon Mack. I'm a little scared of that Achilles injury. It's kind of the the death to running backs is kind of what that injury is. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of a little nervous to see what he comes back as. But honestly, man, with the way Naeem Hines played last year and the way he was catching the ball and running the ball, I, I hope he's a heavy, heavy part of this offense going forward. Zach Hicks here on the Wester Hotline. He covers the Colts for SI and for Cover 1. Zach, you know, I think the defensive side of the ball is another really interesting um, – it's a, it's an interesting part of the conversation around the Colts, right? And, um, you know, two, a year and a half ago or two years ago now, going out and trading for DeForest Buckner was a really big move for this team and solidifying that front seven. Is this a team, is this a defense that you believe – is, you know, right – listen, I mean, they I, I, I thought they did a good job at times containing Josh Allen, but when it mattered, I thought Josh mm-hmm. Allen was sort of able able to get the best of that Colts defense. Is the pass rush where it needs to be going into the season considering the quarterbacks in this conference? I don't think for 2021 it will be. I think 2022 is the year we'll see uh, hopefully, you know, big returns on this pass rush because when you're looking at the pass rush, you know, that they, they let Danico Autry and they let Justin Houston go. And people who just look at the raw stats would be like, oh, you let guys go who each had eight sacks last year, or nine sacks, whatever it was. Uh, so people think that's a, that's a huge loss. But, you know, we, we saw in that game against the Bills, you know, the Colts were getting no edge rush, uh, pressure whatsoever. Uh, those, those two guys didn't have enough juice for today's NFL to get constant pressure. Uh, and if you look at it, I believe it was uh, like pressure percentages or, or quarterback hits and stuff like that, and you know those guys were in the top 50 among edge rushers last year. So it's just – they were getting the sacks. They weren't really getting constant pressure, and the Colts knew they had to move on from that. Uh, now this year, you know, they, they have guys going into big seasons. You know, Kamoko Ture, uh, Ben Banigou really need to step up and show something for this team. Um, and then they drafted two guys in Pay and Dio Odeimbo. And, you know, I, I, those two players are both great prospects, and I think ultimately they're going to be really good players for this team. But, you know, rookie pass rushers, both were raw guys in college as well. I don't know how big their impact is going to be in 2021. You know, we might see more pressures. I don't know if we're going to see it consistently from game to game. Uh, but I do think ultimately moving on from those two aging pass rushers for, for Quiddy and, and Dio, I think that's, that, that was a great move. It's just 2021. I don't know how much of an upgrade that's going to be from last year. But, you know, if you look at it, last year, again, they, they were one of the worst teams in terms of pressure percentage off the edge and, and getting that constant pass rush, and they were still the eighth overall ranked defense for uh, DVOA, I believe. So, you know, they were still able to be productive without a great pass rush last year, so I still think they can be productive in 2021. Uh, But I think we won't really see the benefits of this decision until, like, 2022 when those players have some experience and some playing time under their belt. So uh, I kind of just to, to wrap things up uh, on the Colts here, and, and I think part of the conversation around the Colts, Zach, is a conversation about the Tennessee Titans too. And, you know, I'm wondering what your thoughts of their move for Julio Jones, I think, right now in June, I think is probably receiving the right amount of conversations around it. It's a re- not a lot of happens uh, moves happen in June, uh, you know, other than post a couple of post June first moves. Uh, you know, I, I actually before I even get there, 
I, mean, I actually want to ask you this question first. Uh, the, thinking about post-June 1st moves has sort of, be, sort of moved my thought process into this question, which is the, the Bills and Colts have been most talked about as the teams that are, 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 are trying or going after or potentially in the mix for Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. If, you, if it's your decision, Zach, are you the kind of guy that says, at this point in his career, let the Bills have Zach Ertz, or are you saying, I would love nothing more than to put Zach Ertz in this lineup knowing what Carson Wentz and his familiarity with him, and, and, and I think what uh, Ertz's familiarity will be with the system already. Like, Is that a move that makes a lot of sense for you? If Zach Ertz were a free agent, I'd be all for it. I'd be fine for it. But trading assets for him, uh, after all the film I've watched on Carson Wentz the last couple of days, which included me seeing a lot of Zach Ertz, uh, no, no, I wouldn't want to trade <laughs> assets for him. I, you know, I think, I think Zach Ertz is great at for who he is you know he's he's not the the tight end who's going to win vertically with great explosion and juice and bursts and all that uh, i think he, he's a great leverage tight end he's great at, at using his leverage to create space and get open uh, and obviously some parts of his issues have been you know carson wentz missing him a lot and and that's been just a big disjointment of that whole offense but you know ultimately i just see you know you have jack doyle who's a great blocker and pass catcher uh, who you'd probably have to move on from if you brought in Ertz. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Marley Cox, who's a bit younger, who's a really good pass blocker and, and can or really good uh, blocker and can be a good pass catcher. And then he just drafted a guy in the fourth round. I just don't see the fit with Zach Ertz, especially with kind of his decline in play the last couple of years. And honestly, I, one thing I'm kind of nervous about when I watch this film is there's a lot of easy drops, uh, a lot of easy drops uh, from what I saw. I don't know what the advanced stats are because again, he wasn't really the focus of of my studies, but I was watching all of Carson Wentz's incompletions over the last two years, studies mechanics, and man, there, there's a lot of plays where it just bounces off his hands, uh, mm. third down, fourth down, like, I, I don't know, I, I, I just, I'm not a huge, huge fan of it, and again, I like my tight ends to have a little bit more juice if I'm going to go get a receiving option only, uh, and the Colts have two great blocking tight ends, and they have one who's, you know, promising in the fourth round, so, you know, if he was a free agent, sure, I'd, I'd look into it just for the relationship with Reich and in this offense, but I wouldn't trade real assets for him if I were the Colts. You know, I think he'd fit much better with the Bills uh, and kind of needing a, a veteran guy who can use that leverage to get open. So I guess that will lead me to the question I was about to ask you, which is about the Titans. Are you, are you like, you know, thinking to yourself right now, the Titans, the move for Julio Jones puts them in a position to not only maybe be the, the, the front runner for the division, but maybe a team that now has given themselves like Super Bowl conversations? You know, I can, uh, for sure. And I think one thing uh, that I've noticed with Colts fans, you know, Colts fans are kind of hating on the move a little bit. And, and you know, I always say fandom's kind of a, a, a drug that people can't quit. You know, you always, yeah. you always, you know, as a fan, you always look through your fan goggles and, and see the negatives of all your teams, other teams in the division and all the positives of your own team. And I, I don't think people are realizing how big a move it is. You know, Julio, Julio Jones is a top-tier receiver, like, Upper echelon, one of the best receivers in football. Uh, he's not injury prone. He's had one bat. He's had one season of injuries. Uh, he hasn't missed more than two games the last six years outside of last year. He's not an injury prone receiver. Uh, he, he's a top tier player in the league. So it is a big move. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I think they can make a run as long as that defense bounces back and has a, at least a, a decent year. Uh, but when I look at it from a Colts perspective, when I look at the Titans. I know I've kind of sound a little negative on here about the Colts, but all I really 
really care about this this season in 2021 is if Carson Wentz isn't broken and the young pass rushers show some positive you know development for the future. Uh, 2021, I think they can be a, a good team, be a playoff team even. Uh, but I feel like their Super Bowl window, their contender window, really opens up next year. And and to get to that point, I, as we just need Carson Wentz to show that he can improve and not be what he was last year and, and these young pass rushers to step up. So, yeah, the Titans is a big move, and I think they can definitely win the division and probably are the favorite. Uh, but as a Colts fan, it's it's not really something that I'm too, too worried about because I'm kind of focusing on other things with this team this year. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Zach, thanks so much, man. Let, let's do this again. Obviously, you know, I, I think the Colts and Bills are, are in really interesting, unique waters right now heading into this season. And well, I'd love to have you back on. Uh, continue doing great work over there, man. Big fan. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk again soon. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Love it. Uh, yeah, Bills, Bills, you know, closeted Bills fan here. Uh, <laughs> Sean McDermott was, when I was covering Washington a couple years ago back in 2017 or whatever it was, Sean McDermott was like by far and away my top head coach choice for a couple years. Loved him, and you know the Bills hired him, and the rest is history. So yeah, huge fan of the Bills, and and uh, love what they're going there. Josh Allen also is a guy who I feel like I was higher on than most because I actually would have taken him in the first round that year. So uh, yeah, man, <laughs> big big fan of everything the Bills are doing there. And even though it was bittersweet to see the Colts lose them in the playoffs, uh, you know I was I was excited to see them moving on. Yeah, I, listen, I mean, it, it's, you know, obviously with, with Allen this year, the, the conversations around Allen are, are really intriguing and, and where this offense goes. Can they be better? The fact that they get Brian Dable back, I just, there, there's a lot of great storylines. Again, I, it, I think it, what it just goes to show you is how deep the AFC is. Um, you could go through six, seven, eight teams and say, hey, I mean, here here's mm-hmm. my argument that they are a Super Bowl contender. And I think, I don't think you could, you could be wrong trying to say that, you know, the Colts, the Titans, the Ravens, the Browns, um, like these are teams and obviously the AFC West, if Denver, if, if Teddy Bridgewater can be just, if he could just throw, make completions and not throw to the other team, like that's a team that you could, you could convince me they could beat Kansas City. So it's just, there are so many really interesting storylines in the AFC, and I know both of us will be following along. And like I said, I'll, I'd, I'd love to have you on again soon, man. Uh, great, great, again, great work. And like, thanks for, um, thanks for hopping on with me. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, appreciate you too, man. Awesome. Zach Zach Hicks there of SI covers the Colts and cover one. You can follow him on Twitter, of course, as well. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.